open your Bibles with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 39. Psalm 39, and I want to read a few verses there and, and pray and then get into what I believe the Lord would encourage us with uh, in, this, in this new year. So Psalm 39 and verse 4. And it says there, Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days so that I will know how short lived I am. In fact, you have made my days just inches long and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands as only a vapor. Yes, a person goes about like a mere shadow. Indeed, they rush around in vain, gathering possessions without knowing who will get them. Now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and active and you have gifted it to us graciously and lovingly to reveal yourself to us. And I thank you that you illuminate it uh, to us today by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you encourage us and build us up in our faith as we hear your word, uh, that, that faith to see as you see grows on the inside of us. And I thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So we will be returning to our series on the book of Acts in February. Uh, but if you've been here with us b before in January, I like to take some time, uh, step back in, in prayer and then cover some foundational and directional things for the year. Uh, part of that for me this last week was going back through all my sermon notes from last year. Uh, 2021. And there were a few in there that I thought this might have been too long. Uh, so that may be one of my New Year's resolutions is if it's going to be this many pages, <laughs> if it's going to be this many pages, let's make sure it's the it, it's locked down and, and tight. But that, that's just for me. But what I, I, the reason I do that is I, I like to go back through and touch those. I call it touching the stones uh, in, in the Old Testament. Uh, the, the Israelites, the people of God, when God would work something in their life or they would receive a word from him or direction from him, uh, they, they would set a marker or they would even set an altar uh, to remember that so that when they walked by that way again, they would remember, I heard from God here. This is what God had to say here. This is where God interjected this into my life. And so it was just a blessing for me to walk back through that and, and touch those uh, stones, because if you know me, New Year, uh, that, that time, I don't know when it actually started, but it just has become a time of reflection and, and resolution. Not, not like we normally think about New Year's resolutions, but I like to always pause and, and take a minute and, and step back and look and, and then purpose to where I'm going Next, And that's what David here in Psalm 39 is doing. He, he's praying. He's asking the Lord, Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days or teach me to number my days so that I'll know how short they really are. So that I'll be aware and conscious of how brief my time here really is, how fast it's going to go by. He says, you, you've made my life only a few inches long. And what he's talking about there is a hand breadth's width, which in the market was just the one of the smallest measurements that you could buy of a piece of cloth or something like that. It's just the smallest measurement was the, the width of someone's hand. He's like, you've made the measure of my life not very long at all. In fact, it's like a, a vapor. 
He's like, we're like mere shadows, and yet we're still rushing around trying to gather up possessions, not knowing who's going to end up with them. We're rushing around with no thought to our end. And of course, he says in verse seven, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. So it's that time to remember what, what's really important in life. What's really important as far as for me to put my energies into, my affections into, my attentions into. And, and, and the new year is a great time to do that. Now, we, we put a lot of pressure on the new year in, in, in our culture. You know, new year, new you. I don't know about you, but I woke up as the same me. On Actually, I went to sleep in my chair on New Year's Eve. I had stayed up a little bit later because Abby had some friends over. They were shooting fireworks and things like that. And I was like, well, I can't go to bed because there's people in my house. I'm going to sit in my chair. I completely fell asleep in the chair at about 11.15 and slept through the New Year, Richard, until Kelly woke me up and told me to come to bed. But I still felt the same. New Year, same me. And, and, and so it's not about a, an immediate shift in who we are. There's not some new special anointing on life to be able to make different decisions or anything like that. But as David did when he prayed this prayer to the Lord in Psalm 39, we should do. We should take time to consider the big things in life, the weighty things in life, right? I mean, it, what he, what's he asking? God, God, help me consider that my death won't be too many years in the future. That my life here is short. Now, that's a big and weighty thing. And we can't do that all the time. We can't consider that, 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 th- those weighty things all the time. We would wear our soul out if we just kept walking around. You know, every morning when you're brushing your teeth, wonder if I'll die today. What if I die today? You can't do that. That's going to exhaust you. But there have to be times in our life that we do step back. And, and, and consider honestly and humbly, where am I at right now? Locate myself. Where am I right now? My life, my direction, where am I headed? Where am I going? What am I doing to get further down the road that I want to be on? Where, where am I in my relationship with God? To weigh that out, God, where am I in my relationship with you? Am I happy with where I am? Do I want more of you? Where am I in my relationship with others? Those that are around me, those that God has put in my life from the closest to the ones that are more tangential. Where am I in those relationships? And then what is my attitude uh, towards the things that I'm doing? What are my actions doing? Where, Where is that taking me? And is it going the direction that I want it to go. And again, we have to be careful when we start to ask questions like that because it could stress us out. When we start to think on those big things and those weighty things, it, it can put a lot of pressure on us. And, and, and what can happen is we, we get that spike of guilt or that spike of shame, right? When we start to locate ourselves and say, where am I? And we, we, we see where we are, it's usually not where we want to be, right? I'm not where I want to be. And so I should be further. Well, I'm not. Why? Because well, I tried this and I failed or I tried this and, and I had to quit because it was too hard. And, and, and that, that spikes guilt and shame that I should be further down the road than I am. And I'm not. And it's my fault. And you start to feel that just tumble around on the inside of you. And I would just say, if you're feeling that as we start to talk about this, to just take a deep breath and, and fight that with the truth, fight that guilt and shame 
So we're either, either pulled into that or we're pulled into, all right, this is the year where I finally get locked down control on everything. I'm going to get my kids under control. I'm going to get my job under control. I'm going to get my health under control. I'm going to get it under control. I'm going to try really hard. It's one or the other. It either prompts us to, to guilt and shame or it pulls us over into hurry, right, and, and, and stress, uh, trying to control everything. Because the, the two lies are, one, that I can't control anything. That's what we tell ourselves when we're feeling that guilt and shame. Well, I don't have any control. I can't stop what's going on. I, I can't do anything. The one lie is that I have zero control. And the other lie is that I can have complete control. Because I can't. I, I have some control. So it's a lie that I don't have any. But I can't have all control. So it's a lie that I can do that. I don't want to be pulled over into either one of those. And when you, that starts to swell up, it starts to stir up in you. That anxiety starts to build up. Just take a deep breath and ask yourself, were you perfect at the end of 2021? Anybody? I wasn't. I wasn't. And I won't be by the end of 2022. If I'm still here, still breathing, the Lord tarries, I won't be perfect I want to have perfected the things in my life that I want to see perfected, that I want to see made completely righteous. I won't be perfect by the end of this year. So just take that pressure off of it. You're not going to be perfect by the end of the year. So the question is, if, if we won't be perfect, then what will we be? And that's why we consider those things, consider our relationship with him. Consider where it is. Consider our relationship with others and consider our attitudes and our actions and our habits and the things that we're doing. And is it taking us the direction that we want to be going in him and with others? We need to look at those things and we need to look at them rightly, because one, one thing we learned this last year is when you're looking for something, you're going to find it. When you're looking for something, you're going to find it, even if it's something that's not good for you. You're going to find it or you're going to prepare your heart to see it, even if you have to build it up on your own. Even if you have to try to create it out of nothing. Again, it can be things that aren't good for us. You ever heard uh, that man is looking for trouble? A man who's looking for trouble or a woman looking for trouble. They're going to find it, aren't they? They're going to find it. If you're looking for love, you're going to find some form of it. Because you'll make it happen if, even if it doesn't happen on its own. What you're looking for, you'll find. Jesus told us that. He said, seek and you'll find me if you seek with all your heart. We've learned that when you're looking for something, you're going to prepare your heart to find it. You're going to even create it out of nothing. So you need to make sure you're looking for the right things and looking for the right things in the right places. That's why we take that time to consider to reflect, what is it that I'm looking for? Because I'm going to walk towards whatever it is I'm looking at. I'm going to veer towards whatever direction I'm looking. It's just part of what we do. And so what am I looking towards? Is it good and right? And again, these are weighty questions. And thankfully, we're not asking them of ourselves alone. We're not alone in that review of our life in that inventory of our life. Jesus is there with us. That's another thing we learned this last year is he will meet us on the road where we are. Remember after he had risen, there were the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus. They weren't supposed to be going to Emmaus. They were supposed to be waiting in Jerusalem. They weren't even where they were supposed to be. And yet Jesus met them on the road where they were. They were walking along discussing all that had been going on. 
And what we learn there is He'll meet us where we are. He'll lead us to realize the truth of where we are so that we won't have deceived ourselves to accurately see where we are and what's really been going on. And then He'll tell us the truth. He'll tell us the truth about Himself. He'll tell us the truth about ourselves. He'll tell us the truth about the world and everything going on in it. And then what we saw with Him is when they said, hey, don't leave, stay with us. Stay with us a little bit longer. What did He do? He stayed. He stayed with them, sat down at the table with them. And the other thing you saw with them is when they had spent time with Jesus and they had sat and listened to Him, it made their hearts burn on the inside. Burn for the things that he was talking about. Burn for the things of the kingdom. Burn for the, the things of God and a, an affection for the direction they were supposed to be on. And then finally, that's what he did for them. He changed their direction, put them back on the right path. He met them where they were and pointed them where they were supposed to be. And he stirred them up to give them the affection and the energy to get there. And so when we, when we see that, on the Emmaus Road, that He showed up where they were. He reminded them and He reminded us why we follow Him in the first place. Remember we asked that question this last year? Why do you follow Jesus? Why do you call Him Lord? Why are you even here right now? And what was the answer? The base answer is because I wasn't okay without Him. I realized that I didn't want to be without Him for the rest of my life. I spent some time without Him and I honestly didn't like it. Didn't enjoy it. Wouldn't recommend it. I came to him. I'm following him because I wasn't okay without him. Restless and broken. And we follow him because he promises something better. He promises change that you won't stay the way that you are. He promises transformation from one form to another. Completely different. Completely changed. He promises that. And we read about it in Romans 12, didn't we? When Paul says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, having seen all of this, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern, so that you may know what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Now, sometimes when we read that, we get too focused on what we're laying down and what we're giving up, not being conformed to the world. Don't be conformed to the world, but we can miss how big the, what we're being given is, the, the ability to be transformed, the ability to be changed. Remember, we talked about that. He came to transform us, but we have to tolerate it. We have to tolerate the transformation. We have to tolerate the change. It can, it, it can be tough. Not, not us as far as effort, but to be changed from one image to another image. We're going to feel that. There's going to be some friction in there because there's going to be some things dying and some new things coming alive. There's going to be some things falling off and some new things that we're putting on. And we have to be able to tolerate that. Growing pains, in other words. Can we tolerate the transformation? And I don't have time to go there this morning, but if you want some reading for life, if you want something that just kind of spur you on and encourage you in this new year, go to Romans 12 and read verse 9 through verse 21 for a week straight, for a month straight. The things he's saying, this is what a transformed person looks like. This is what a transformed person does. And thankfully, he's not asking me to drum up all the power to do those things on my own. He's given it to me. In, in view of all these mercies, all I do is I present myself. All I do is show up. 
I consider my attitude, my actions, my energies. Are they bringing me to him to be changed or are they taking me to the world to be conformed to it? What are they doing? Because they're taking me one direction or another. Nothing is truly neutral in our life. It's either taking me towards him or towards the world to be conformed. And again, that, that can be so overwhelming. Don't let it overwhelm you. You won't be perfect by the end of the year. You won't be perfect by the end of the year. But the question is, what will we be? Because there's some things we do have control over. I came across a quote in my notes, and um, I wish I'd had it when we were talking about hurry back at, during Advent, because it's great for that. It was a Spurgeon quote. And he said, we're in such a hurry, such a dreadful haste. We're so selfish, so discontented, so impetuous. And the major part of our sins spring from that condition of mind. But if we were godly, restful, peaceful, how many sins should we avoid? So when we have these things in our life that, that are breeding hurry, haste, selfishness, discontentment, uh, driving us to be impetuous, you can see that sin springs out of that. He said, how much of that would we avoid if we were godly, restful, peaceful? How many sins would we avoid? And he wrote that he was he died in 1892. And he was talking about, y'all, I think we ought to slow down a little bit. We're in such a hurry right now. Eight, in, in the late 1800s, it's gotten really hectic. We, we got all this haste. I can't imagine what he would say now. Again, he, he died over 100 years ago. And he was saying then, hey, we, we need to chill out a little bit. We're getting too worked up about things. We're getting too driven by the things around us. And we're neglecting that time with the Savior so that we can be changed, so that we can experience peace and rest and godliness and avoid so much temptation to sin. So much temptation to sin. And we learn that in Colossians, that there are things that we're supposed to put off in our life. And there's things that we're supposed to put on. We're supposed to put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self being renewed into the image of our creator. Amen. Putting off the old self with its practice. That's the way that I used to live. That's the way that I used to do things. I've seen it's not helpful or healthy to me. A life of godliness and peace, that's going to lead me towards sin. I need to put it off. And he used language in there. Uh, about putting sin to death. Very strong language, murderous language. He was like, this is how serious you should take sin in your life, that it, it, it put it to death. One of the old preachers said, if you're not killing sin, it will be killing you. And so we take that seriously. And again, that pressure starts to come up. Oh my gosh, I gotta, oh, ooh, I gotta, I haven't been able to get rid of this for the last 20 years. How in the world? You're telling me now, this is the year it's gotta be done and I just don't know that I can do it. There is no that death of sin without the death of Jesus Christ. It's only in his death and his burial, his resurrection, our, our union with him that we have dominion over any of that. So you don't have to feel like you're standing there on your own. Our transformation, our change, what we're talking about is all in Him. What we do is get close to Him and do it constantly. And we're going to be talking about some of those things as we go through these next couple of weeks. But Paul wrote to Timothy um, in 2 Timothy 4, and, and we've read it many, many times, 
when he talked about, you know, my life is being poured out as a drink offering. There's a crown of righteousness reserved for me that the Lord, the righteous judge will give and not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Remember that? And we talked about all the different ways that Jesus shows up in our life. We talked about uh, baptism. We talked about communion. We talked about the scripture. We, we talked about prayer, all the appearings of Jesus in our life that, that we love and that we should seek after and that change us. And we also talked about loving his appearing is when anytime Jesus shows up in our life. Obviously, Paul was referring directly to the second coming when he said that. But how can you love his second coming without loving him? And how can you love him without loving every time that he shows up? In life, And when we look at the life of Jesus, as we went through, as we finished our study in the book of Luke last year, right now, 21, as we finished our study in the spring in Luke, what we saw about Jesus is, is he had a close and humble, loving communion with God the Father. So close, closer than we can imagine, closer than we've ever experienced. He had that while he walked on this earth. And in that relationship, from that position, he loved and he served and he taught and he led those around him, whosoever would come into the same life with the Father, into that exact same life with the Father, that newness of life. We read about uh, accounts of the amazing relationships and interactions that he had with people and a very diverse group of people that came from different backgrounds, different experiences, different histories. Some that thought they were really righteous and some that knew that they really weren't. And he, he let both of them know, wherever you are, you need to be here with me. Wherever you're coming from, you need to be here with me. And so what we learned from that is that we want to resolve to focus on putting people above projects, putting people above problems, putting people above the processes in life, not, not letting everything get so regimented that we forget that there's real living people with souls that, that, that are at stake here. And, and that doesn't mean that we compromise the truth for people. It doesn't mean that. We know that. But, but it means we, we're going to give to people love and dignity and respect along with that truth. Along with the truth. The truth sets you free, but it, has, it needs to come with love and dignity and respect. As I was thinking on that, I thought about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now what I didn't see in there is truth. He gives us truth. But then he also gives us the spirit and the fruit of the same so that we handle the truth in the right way. Because if we're not handling the truth with the fruit of the spirit, we're going to hurt people. We're going to hurt ourselves. He gives us the fruit of the spirit. So when that truth comes into our life and as we're dealing with others, we handle it in the right way. To all those who love is appearing when that when that enters into your heart and your mind that you just want to see him show up, it, it affects you and it changes your actions. Remember, we had the question that came from, of all places, the football coach at Southern Miss University. What do people get when they run into you? 
What is it that people get when they run into you during the day, during the week? When they run into you, what do they get? Is their day better or worse because they ran into you? And that was what he said. He said, I've just purposed in my heart that nobody's going to have a worse day because they ran into me. I don't want anybody to have a worse day because they ran into me. I want everybody that I come into contact, I want their day to be, even if it's just a little bit better, I want, I want their day to be a little bit better because they ran into me. And so that's the question. Is, somebody, is somebody's day better or worse because they ran into us? And again, pressure. Oh, you're saying I always got to be on. Oh, you're saying I always got to be ready. Oh, you're saying I always got. No, 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 no. Is their day better or worse because they ran into you? Is their day better or worse because they ran into you? Because you can be a mess. You can have your stuff not even together and you can still release Jesus into a situation. You can still release Jesus into a situation. We talked about that with Pilate. Pontius Pilate, when Jesus was in captivity, what did it say? He said he wanted to release Jesus. He wanted to release Jesus. Who did he end up releasing? Barabbas. He ended up turning Barabbas loose. Barabbas was the, the, the symbol for us in the arm of the flesh, doing it on your own, trying to figure it out yourself. Nobody's going to show up to help you. You've got to do it yourself. A man of rage and action, but selfish action. And he wanted to release Jesus. He ended up turning loose Barabbas. All I'm saying is we want to we want to release Jesus and we actually do. But again, it's not pressure on me. All the funding for that comes from my time with him. All I have to do is show up, release him into those situations, which makes him famous. He, we, the same spirit that he had is on the inside of us. And we can release that into the situations where we are. And again, he won't leave us alone. And that's twofold, really. He won't leave us by ourselves. But when we're with him, he's not going to stop. Hey, Stephen, hey, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm not going to leave you alone. <laughs> he's not going to leave us alone. He'll meet us right where we are as we seek him. We'll find him when we seek him with all of our heart. So as we walk into this new year, and Andrew, you can come on up. I'm going to be done here in just a second. I promise. I'm telling you, I'm purposing. A little bit shorter. A little bit more. I know, but this is a lot of big stuff. And what I'm doing this week is just kind of laying out the big questions for you to ponder this week, you to meditate on this week, you, you to take to your prayer time with him and your, your scripture time with him. Lord, where am I at? Where am I at in my relationship with you? Where am I at in my relationship with others? What am I doing? What should I stop doing? What should I start doing? And asking those big questions this week and see what his response is to you. And then we'll start to cover a few more things as we go through these next couple of weeks. But our prayer should be the same prayer that David prayed in Psalm 39. Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days so that I'll know how short lived I am. In fact, you've made my days just inches long and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands as only a vapor. A person goes about like a mere shadow. Indeed, they rush around in vain, gathering possessions without knowing who will get them. And why would he ask that? Why would we ask God to make us aware of that? It's so it would have an effect. So that it'll have an effect on how I think, what I do, how I act, so that I can change those things. It's like with this in mind, with this perspective, change what I'm doing, change my attitude for the better. It may not be a complete change. It may be a 1% change. Just adjust me. Just line me back up. Reorient me with who you are 
in what you're doing in the world. But why would he ask for it is so it would have a positive effect. And we ask the same thing today. Again, big and heavy, weighty questions. We can't ask them every day. We can't think on them all the time. It wears us out. But if we don't ever think on them, we don't know where we're at. And we could be wanting to walk towards him and actually walk in the other direction. So where am I in my relationship with him? My relationship with others? What desires would he stir up in our heart for each of those things? What desires would he reignite for this year? To say, hey, Stephen, you, you know, you used to do this. You kind of left it back here. Go pick that back up. Or, hey, Stephen, you've been carrying this along. It's time to set that down. This year's the year you set that down. And that's going to be different for all of us. And that's why I want you to ask him those things on your own. Because I don't want to put, you, put, on some, put something on you that he's not put on you yet. And I don't want to ask less of you than what he's asking of you for this year. In other words, I don't want to go too easy on you. I don't want to go too hard on you. I, he's your Holy Spirit. I'm not. But we have to ask him the questions. Will my current actions bring me closer to him? My heart closer to him or further away? And again, we have to ease off that pressure. Because what I figured out is there's usually two types of personalities when it comes to stuff like this. One is like me, who I see that list and I just get overwhelmed and I don't even start. Right? I'm like, I just, I'm counting it. I'm like, oh God, this just stop. I can't even do it. And you got other people like Kelly, we're opposites, opposites attract. She sees it, she's like, yeah, let's go, all right. And she just barrels head first into it and 20 days in, she's like, no. <laughs> like it's just already gone. Like she's all the enthusiasm, she's just right. And neither one of them, all, both of them have their problems, obviously. I'm not starting. She's starting without counting the cost. And we both end up 20 days in going, I, don't know. I was going to lose weight, but I stopped trying. <laughs> or I was going to exercise more. And yeah, then I, my throat started hurting. And then that was just it. Right. And so whichever one you are, he'll meet you right, right there. He'll meet you right there. When you start to feel that pressure, just calm down. And remember, the reason you came to him is because you weren't okay without it. And he's not asking you to do anything that he's not also going to give you the ability to do. And it says that in Philippians that he's working in us to give us both the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. And you've heard that before. He is working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What that means is the desire to do the right thing and the ability to do the right thing. He is working both of them on the inside of us. All we have to get in there, all we have to do is get close to him and let him work. Spend time. And where better can we spend time than with him? Whenever we do, we're so glad that we did. Whenever we didn't, we feel, we feel it down in our bones how much we still need him. We're better than to be with him. We weren't okay without him. He has invited us close and he offers transformation. All we got to do is tolerate it. We won't be perfect by the end of this year. We won't be. Unless we have your memorial service before the end of this year, you won't be perfect by the end of this year. The question is, what will you be? What will you be? And you have some control on that. You have some input into that. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control what you're doing. What will you be at the end of this year? And as we do all this pausing, considering, measuring, planning, I want to refer back to a word. 
that we talked about. I guess it's a couple years ago now. So some of you remember it. Some of you, it'll be new to you. Hitherto. You're like, why? Hitherto. It's one of my favorites now. Hitherto. It comes from a story in the Old Testament, Hebrew Bible, in 1 Samuel chapter 7. The children of Israel had been far from God but their hearts were still longing for him and they realized it. And they went to the prophet Samuel and they said, go to God for it. We want to be back closer to God. And he said, here's what you need to do. We need to gather up all together at Mizpah. I don't know where that is, but that's where they gathered up. Probably a valley. It's a great place to gather up. And you know what they did? They fasted, which means they stepped back from some things so that they could focus more on God. And they prayed and they confessed and they repented and they said, Lord, we sinned against you here. We shouldn't have, but we did. And we don't want to do that anymore. We want, we want to be closer to you. And listen, while they were gathered up, you know what happened? Their enemy, the Philistines, heard that they were all gathered up in the valley. They're all gathered up in that valley. This would be a great time to just wipe them out. And so they assembled against them. You know, sometimes when you decide you're going to follow God and you're really going to knuckle down, the enemy shows up. Opposition arises, and they were, they were terribly afraid. Why? Because the Philistines had been, been whipping them for years, just uh, abusing them for years. And then now they show up, they're like, we're trying to get right with God. And here the enemy shows up. And they said, Samuel, please go to God and pray for us. And Samuel went before the Lord, and he made a sacrifice. He sacrificed a lamb unto God. And it said the Lord thundered from heaven against the Philistines. And they were so confused that the Israelites were able to overwhelm them and whip them, run them off. Huge underdog story. Just destroyed them, ran them off. And then Samuel went and took a stone that they called an Ebenezer stone, which just means a stone of hell. And he set it right there in Mizpah. And he said, hitherto the Lord has helped us. And that just means up to this point, the Lord has helped us. The Lord has brought us to where we are. And it, it, it was a word that didn't just look back like the Lord brought me to here, but it also contained the expectation that when I move on from here, he's going with me. When I step from here, as I go into tomorrow, as I go into the next month and the next season and the next part of this year, that the same God that brought me to here, because look, you wouldn't have been here without him. You wouldn't have made it this far without him. Hitherto the Lord has helped us. The same God that brought us this far will carry us all the way home. All we have to do is stay close to Him. All we have to do is stay close to Him. He helped us back then. He'll help us as we move forward. Again, when you make that conscious decision, all right, God, I'm going to get serious about some things this year. Some things I took casual, I'm going to be more serious about them this year. Enemy's going to show up. Opposition's going to show up. It's not going to be easy. Just like when you say, I'm going to get into shape. I'm going to get that gym membership, and I'm going to get into shape. And then you hurt your back, or then you get the sore throat, and then you're out for two weeks. And the next thing you know, it's six months later, you ain't done anything. Because opposition came up, and you just couldn't, you couldn't meet it. But just like them in the Valley of Mizpah, he made a sacrifice to the Lord. A lamb was sacrificed. The better lamb has been sacrificed for you. The better one's been sacrificed for you. And so when the Lord thundered against the Philistines, he'll thunder against your opposition as well. 
You don't have to run them off. He'll do that. You just stay with him. You stay with him and he will overwhelm your enemy for you. You just stay with him. Hitherto, the Lord has helped us to this point. We wouldn't have made it here without him. He's going with us into tomorrow too. We just purpose in our heart after these weighty questions and see what the Lord what the Lord points you to. It's going to be a little it's going to be a little different. It's going to be a little nuanced. It's always all going to be in the same direction. It's all going to be closer to Him, closer to transformation, further from being conformed to the world. But it may look a little bit different, and that's okay because He's able to personalize it to each one as we have need. In 2022, how am I going to engage Him? How am I going to engage Him in the Scripture? How am I going to engage him in prayer? How am I going to engage him by serving the body of Christ in the community he's placed me in? How am I going to do it? Because if I don't plan, it's not just going to happen. It's like anything that's good, you have to plan it. You have to purpose it in your heart. Otherwise, it just doesn't happen. Why? Because it requires some effort. It requires me to do something. We won't be perfect by the end of 2022, which sounds weird that it's 2022. still bothers me. I feel like we didn't even have 21. Like 2020 lasted for two years. But I won't be perfect by the end of this year. What will I be? And you will get as much of God this year as you want. You will get as much of God this year as you want. How much do you want? Amen. Let's pray. Father, teach us. Make us aware of how brief our time here really is. And Lord, what's really most important. We've seen that as we walk through this last season. Oh, Lord, there's some things in our life that are so important. And then there's other things that are taking so much of our energy that aren't important at all. Help us to know the difference. And Lord, as we as we bring these questions to you, as we turn them over in our spirit this week, and we meditate on them and we pray over them. I thank you that you meet us right where we are. You meet us right on the road where we are. You help us to locate ourselves. You help us to direct our attitudes and our actions. You tell us the truth about who you are, about who we are, and about the world, Lord, that, that you make our hearts to burn on the inside for more of you. When we taste and see, Lord, that you're good, all we want is more of you. And I pray that, that you... We won't be led into temptation to go back and just have another year like last year. To go back and have another year like the year before. Lord, but this year will be different because we're going to spend more of it with you. We're going to look more to you. We know we won't be able to do it perfectly. Lord God, help us to do it well. I think that you're working in us. Both to will and to do of your good pleasure. To give us the desire and the ability to do what pleases And Lord, that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in our lives first, in our hearts, in our closest situations, Lord, and branch out from there. I thank you that the places we are are going to be better because we're in them and because we're close to you this year. That when people run into us, their day's not going to be worse, but they're going to be better because you're going to show up in their day because we were in it. Not because there's something special about us, because there is something so special about you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. As we go, I thank you we go in peace and unity with each other. Lord, I know we got some that are weak in their body today. Heal them and strengthen them in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, those that are traveling, you bring them home safely. Deliver them home safely uh, to their destination. 
And Lord God, as we all assemble back together in the, in the coming weeks, I thank you that you've joined us together just like, just like our, our human body, that there's joints and marrow and, and, and we're knitted together by you and we all benefit from one another. I thank you for my place in the body of Christ. I thank you that I'm not following you alone. Lord, I would, but I'm thanking you I don't have to. But you've given me brothers and sisters to help build me up in my faith and to encourage me and to strengthen me and to help me. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. We thank you for all these things. In the mighty name of Jesus.